Trade talk is in full swing right now across the NFL, and the Baltimore Ravens could look to upgrade their roster. We talked that they could be in the market for a couple of big-name running backs and so much more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens. We're your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Allstriker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for tuning in, making Locked On Ravens your first listen every day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms, including in video form on YouTube and audio form, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back in midweek edition of the show here on Wednesday with trade talk in full swing for this four and two football team. And I had to bring on a very special guest to talk about that here today. It is former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Mark Clayton in the house. Mark, this team is four and two right now. They went across the pond to play in London. They escaped London with a win. And I think people might not be feeling as good because they had to escape, but Hey, you know what? They went want to know when is a win and they'll take it. Hey man, escaping is what we do. <laughs> you know, and, and at the end of the day, you know, our our goal and our hopes is that we can escape uh, as we get into the playoffs and ultimately a Super Bowl. Right, and I think that's the expectation, especially high ones with Lamar being Lamar this year, playing I think some of his best career football. But with that, I think there's always that balance of how can you upgrade the roster without completely selling your future away and. Yeah. Part of that, I think we saw the Rams do it a couple of years ago where they literally sold all their draft picks and look, it paid off for them. They won the Super Bowl, but the Ravens don't necessarily operate that way. We know they like their draft picks. They like those first rounders, but they have been linked at least in some rumors to a couple of running backs, potentially yep. in Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry. And I'm curious, Mark, just to hear your thoughts, because JK goes down for the season, super unfortunate injury for him, but you still have Gus Edwards. You still have Justice Hill. Saquon and Derrick Henry are two amazing players. Saquon looking for the big deal. Derrick Henry obviously has a lot of miles on him, but still one of the premier running backs in this league. Do you feel like either of those guys would be worth giving up potentially high-level draft capital for to improve their offense and put them next to Lamar to make it a pretty deadly duo in that backfield? Yeah, I mean, it it it's a I mean, it sounds great, you know, and those are those type of splash deals that everybody gets excited about and all that. Cause I mean, obviously we know what Saquon can do, we know what Derrick. Derrick Henry can do but you know at the end of the day I think our organization does a great job of bringing in guys uh, that are very efficient in what we do Um, I think we got a guy on the sideline that hadn't touched the field yet Keaton that is probably even more explosive in terms of just pure line speed than Saquon is um, which I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what he's able to do uh, in this offense at full full scale Um, but you know to have a Saquon in the backfield, I'm not going to say no, but I would absolutely not be looking to give up too much uh, to have a Saquon. It should be like a Saquon almost excited, you know, about coming to play with the the Ravens and uh, would almost take a pay cut uh, to come in and play with the Ravens. But I don't think that's likely, but uh, we will see. Yeah, I think we know that the state of the running back position mark around the league right now is not great in terms of the contracts. Obviously, a lot of guys had to settle for franchise tag or slightly above franchise tag one-year deals. And it's just the state the position is in. And obviously, 
Ravens had to go through that with J.K. Dobbins and not signing him to a long-term deal. And then the reported holding that he went through throughout training camp comes back, gets injured in week one. But for those that don't know, Mark and I got started here. We started conversating on that Chase Young. Chase Young has been a guy that, you know, DMV, from the DMV, playing in Washington for the Commanders right now. And obviously Washington, at this point, could be – they're in a weird spot. They're three and three, could be looking to sell, could be looking to buy. If Chase Young becomes available, Mark, obviously there are other options on the edge, like a Brian Burns or a Neil Hunter. But the Chase Young story with him being the second overall pick a couple years ago, the potential – is still there. You put him in that defensive line with Jadavian Clowney, who's played incredible football for them. Kyle Van Noy are getting back some pieces here. I think that'd be pretty scary. I think it'd be absolutely scary. I think that would that would set this D line up to be easily one of the top, I would say three or four D line in, in the NFL. Chase Young is exceptional and still super young. Um, I mean, and you want to bring somebody like that in where you're looking at, you know, potentially you know, eight to 10 years of just quality production uh, and hopefully Hall of Fame type production uh, in, in a solid five of them. And so, um, I mean, that, that the, the fact that that's on the table, I think is beautiful. And I, I know uh, that Eric is doing whatever he can to kind of see how the deal or, or could fit or, or whatever it is. So um, I'm just glad that our name is being associated with a Chase Young. Yeah, and I think something we were talking about off air a little bit was the way the trade deadline, I guess, has evolved over the last 10 or 15 years. And even, you know, back when you were playing, it felt like it wasn't that big of a deal. Like nothing really, you know, went down. There was maybe one or two deals, one or two big ones. But it's kind of turned into this like big event where, you know, you have these shows, you talk about potential trade targets. We were talking, I think the one deal I remember, the big one was when Carson Palmer got traded out of the AFC North and got traded to Oakland. How has the trade deadline in your estimation kind of evolved since when you were a player? Man, you know, I, I mean, it, it's become real. You know, the trade line, trade deadline for years have, for the most part, came and gone and nothing significant has, has happened. So, um, I mean, nowadays, I think with the development of players early, uh, I think that's, that's starting to flow downhill in terms of you see quarterbacks that are able to come in the league in year one, year two, and, and perform. CJ Stroud, I mean, that's, you know, crazy, but come in and perform but not just quarterbacks but other positions come in perform which opens up this door for this type of we can we can be more fluid with roster um and teams that you know really it's like i'm surprised that we got this piece in that's performing like this man we got a chance to win now if we can get maybe one or two more pieces and then be able to do that mid-season um and and reap the benefits of it and I think, yeah, it's been really interesting because the way that I think even the Ravens organization approached the trade deadline when Ozzy was fully in charge was Ozzy liked to, I think, opt to see things out a little bit. Eric Acosta mm-hmm. feels a little more like, hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get that guy. And I'm not saying either approach is right or wrong. It's just different. Like sure. That's just what it is now, where last year we see the Ravens go out and get Roquan Smith, who you know has essentially transformed this defense. And Mark, I know you played with Ray Lewis during your time in Baltimore. And I I start to see the comparisons trickling in between Ray and Roquan. Do you see similarities between those two guys? Well, I like just saying the names is pretty cool. Ray and Roquan, it kind of (laughs) flows, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. That, that guy is, he's super smart. Uh, He's, uh, he's agile as heck. He can get anywhere on the field. He sniffs out everything. It's almost like he's in the quarterback's head, which makes the game of, of chess, not checkers. And, Man, to to have that in the middle of your defense, um, I mean, uh, 
that goes a long way. Uh, I mean, we're, we're blessed to, again, have somebody that for years to come, we can rely on and depend on and know that our defense year in, year out is going to be one of the top five defenses. Yeah, and I think part of that has to do with Mike McDonald, too, who's come in and has been incredible, spent the year at Michigan after being with the organization for a plethora of years and right. a bunch of different roles. And you have a team now that's second in sacks. They've already achieved half their sack total from all of last year in just six right. weeks. So they have guys flying all over the place, which is incredible. Yeah. I know in the secondary, though, Mark, there have been some questions about the depth, but the depth has stepped up. You see guys like Brandon Stevens and Geno Stone filling in from Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams. There, there's been rumblings. Maybe the Ravens could add a cornerback, but if there was one position that you, if the Ravens were to make one trade and it was one position, we've talked running back, we've talked edge, corner, maybe wide receiver, which one of those positions would you go for? Um, I mean, I, I think when you're looking at, you know, coming down the stretch and you're going to be playing, you know, these high flying teams, I think you have to to talk about secondary because, you know, with what's going on in Kansas City and what Cincinnati may or may not be and um, other, you know, elite Miami, you know, the elite aerial kind of assault teams, I think you're going to have to spend some time or, and look at if there's an option that we can put in that back end that gives us a little more, whether it's range or speed to kind of, you know, run with these guys and, and disrupt the passing games of these elite teams. And I think the the, the interesting part about it is I think the way that the passing game has evolved from back in the early 2000s to where we are now has changed, especially since you were a player. How how do you kind of see these air raid offenses and these teams are throwing it 30, 40 times a game? How Uh, different is that from from when you played? Oh, man, it certainly is night and day different from when I played, especially with the Ravens uh, and just. It, it, for me, it's it's like God. I would I would have loved to play in any of these offenses with these coordinators nowadays. And but I, you know, having a dose of it in college uh, was fun. And now seeing it uh, more air raid, you know, more RPOs in the NFL is is really cool because those plays are really tough to stop. You saw last night, you know, that goes untouched for twenty yards. Nobody accounts for the quarterback. He gets a, a you know beautiful keep, you know, run for a touchdown. That play was not predominant certainly in the 80s or the 90s or early 2000s in the NFL but um it's it's good for the game I think it you know it, it makes it tougher on defenses and which where you have to have defenses that are uh, this crazy combination of speed and power um and so again that's why I'm also looking at kind of one of those hybrid guys that that could be in the secondary that could come down in the box maybe and or run and cover with somebody like a Travis Kelsey um I think is uh some type of position that I also think we should be looking at. Yeah, and there's still lots to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. We'll talk Lamar. We'll talk wide receivers. A lot more with Mark coming up soon. Don't go anywhere. It's a lot to talk about on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we'll be providing you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny's picked out for us in this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And Drake London is starting to show why the Falcons drafted him first among the many talented wide receivers in the 2022 draft and why he was a hot sleeper in 2023 fantasy drafts. London has found his groove in the offense with Desmond Ritter. In the past two weeks, he's caught 15 of his 21 targets with 203 yards. He now draws another good spot in week seven against the Buccaneers, who have struggled to contain teams' number one wide receivers. London is guaranteed to keep bringing the pleasing production with great matchups ahead versus the Titans, the Vikings, and the Cardinals before his week 11 bye. And again, Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy 
PlayStation Championship, eBay Motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 120 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your ride needs, eBay Motors has it. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, if these prices are burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, all items, all exclusions apply. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker is still here with Mark Clayton. And Mark, you kind of talked about how you would have loved to play in some of these offenses in today's game. And I have to ask about Lamar and how you feel like you and Lamar would have had chemistry together and you being in that Ravens offense with Mark. I mean, first of all, what do you think about what Lamar's done over the course of his career and yeah. how much fun do you think it would have been to play with him? Man, I think he's he's done a tremendous job over his career, obviously with the MVP early, but um, year in, year out, just proving that he's a winner in the NFL. That is not easy by any stretch. Um, having the injuries the couple seasons in a row was unfortunate, um, but here we are, uh, new season, new coordinator, new offense, getting adjusted, first year in that system. Obviously, there's always you know some figuring out to do uh, in that first season in the system, but I think Shoot, he's adjusted just fine. And I, I'm enjoying uh, what we're doing with trying to let allow Lamar to drop back a little more and bring the intermediate passing game into the picture um, and continue to have the cube design quarterback runs, which we should always have, um, but just being more versatile, similar to his MVP season. You know, we all the way from five wide to, you know, power three tight ends and, you know, all, all that variation uh, keeps defenses on their toes. And I think that, that's what allows Lamar to be the best quarterback uh, really in the league. And it's really amazing week in and week out for me, Mark, to watch him and just see how much these defenses have to pay attention to him. He commands so much attention, especially because you mentioned the early MVP. It was that edge guy that had to determine on those RPOs. All right. Is Lamar taking it? Is it going to be Mark Ingram? Or is he going to drop back the pass? It's just those kind of college things that you think, oh, when is this going to ever get into the NFL? And now it's a staple right in the league, which is which is amazing. But I think another key part to Lamar's development has been, at least this season, the weapons that the Ravens have surrounded him with. Now, mm -hmm. you see the Bills go out and get Stephon Diggs for Josh Allen, and the Eagles right. get A.J. Brown for Jalen Hurts, and the Ravens didn't really do any of that. They drafted Marquise Brown out of, obviously, Oklahoma back in 2019, but they never really had that top five wide receiver for Lamar not that they essentially do now right. but Odell Beckham was a step in the right direction signing a veteran you bring in Zay Flowers in the first round Nelson Aguilar too but there's still wide receiver trade talk Mark I thought that we'd finally be done with it because they surrounded yeah. Lamar with the weapons but here we are again we yeah. can admit it's kind of been a bit of a slower start than anticipated for Odell with some of the injuries Rashad mm -hmm. Bateman hasn't necessarily bounced back from his injury that he suffered as well but Rashad is the interesting part of this to me because I feel like some Ravens fans are already ready. You know, if, if Devontae Adams somehow makes it to Baltimore, Rashad mm -hmm. Bateman would have to probably be in that deal. And I see Ravens sure. fans, some of them at least saying, well, he's never going to live up to his potential. This is his third season. I personally still think there is time for Rashad Bateman being a first round pick for the Ravens. You know, obviously there are only a couple of first round wide receivers for the Ravens. You being one of them, Mark, but what, what would your message be to Rashad right now who isn't necessarily performing up to standards but is looking to jumpstart his career in a fashion that I think many people still believe he can? Man, at the end of the day, it's it's lock in and put your head down and go to work because ultimately it comes down to performance uh, and performance comes from practice and all the work that you do before you step on the field Sunday. And so, you know, obviously 
the performance hasn't been what we've hoped for, or what we've expected out of a first round receiver. Um, it hasn't been put together um, in a consistent way uh, throughout the season. So um, when it comes to that, man, it's it's if you're listening to what's what's being said and all the chatter, let it fuel you. Let it fuel the work that that you go do in the background and and show up on Sunday and put the naysayers to sleep. Like I, that's that's all you can do because work is you can't replace it you can't replace it but you you got to put the work in um if you want the results on sunday and i know the ravens and a bunch of nfl organizations are you just ignore the outside noise you, you go put in the work and yep. i think for rashad it you know hasn't been very smooth for him he was healthy at minnesota hadn't really dealt with injuries and obviously has had a plethora of them over the course of his career but Right. Mark, the Ravens took Zay Flowers in the first round, and my bold prediction going into the year was, you know, by the end of the season, Zay will probably be the number one guy. I think yeah. by the end of week one, Zay was the number one guy. <laughs> he, he's yeah. been that good. He's electric. He's shifty. He's speedy. He yeah. can absolutely juke defenders out of their shoes. Man. What do you think about what Zay has done so far? Uh, Zay's brought a, um, a uh, level of explosiveness to this offense um, at the receiver position that you know hollywood had in a straight line um i would say but zay brings it to us underneath intermediate and straight line uh there's a number of things you could do with that guy and i i'm 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 for hey let's introduce some of tyreek hill's plays into this offense <laughs> like he literally could do what tyreek hill does and we could use him as such um and so I, i'm a big fan um and just seeing his transition and you know, we had the same receiver coach, actually. At, at, he was at Boston College with Daryl Wyatt. And so I already know where his mind's at and, and what's been drilled into him. And so I'm, you know, excited to see the product and everything that he's doing, having fun, has a big smile, you know, and doing it because, you know, it's easy for him. <laughs> hey, you can see, literally, he jukes out a defender and he's smiling the whole, you know, he sees the defender fly past him. He's smiling with, you see his teeth the whole way through. Yeah. He, he, he so, seems like such a good guy, too. Like, he, yeah. he loves the game of football. Oh, yeah. And, I'm glad he got the first touchdown out of the way. It was, so he has to get his first touchdown in America. He got it abroad. He has now he has to get it in America now. So it's it's two yeah. separate milestones for him. But it's really interesting, Mark, because I think when the Ravens had that seven drop game against the Steelers, yeah. it was a huge talking point. Rightfully based so. Based off based off your playing experience and you know, you being in a wide receiver room, you being around guys, especially when it happens to it wasn't just one guy, it was the whole wide receiver room essentially. Is that just like you get in your head for a game and then you drop everything and move on? Or was there some underlying thing that what, what do you think attributed to that pretty bad catching performance in week five? That was bad. That was rare. You know, you don't really see it like that. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, days in college uh, where in practice, if I dropped, then the guy behind me would drop and then the guy behind it, like it, it could get really, it turned to a real virus. And yeah, you don't really see that in the NFL, especially in, in games. And then with the caliber of guys that we have, that was surprising to see. Um, but ultimately, it's, it's short-term memory. As a professional athlete, you get to that level because you're able to make a mistake and move on. That's okay. Like, you're going to, you know, you're not perfect. We're not perfect. And then mistakes are going to happen. It's the guys who are able to take it, have short-term memory, act like it never happened and move on um, is are the guys and the teams that are able to, you know, go on and, and win championships. And so a big talking point about that 
was the rugby ball conversation. I don't know if you caught any of that, but essentially Keith Williams. Yeah. Keith Williams has the Ravens working with rugby balls and it's nothing new. Like this has been a thing he's done. He's been there for a couple of years. This isn't like he started it the week of the Pittsburgh game and it contributed to it. What, what, what's your take on the whole rugby controversy? I think, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's unnecessary. I I mean, I don't know if you want to just being crafty or whatever. I don't know, but I, I just, at the end of the day, you know, I was always like, man, receiver, we catch the ball, let's catch the ball. Uh, if you're going to work with a ball, work with a smaller ball where you have to focus that much more. But ultimately, you know, the ball, I don't, the rugby ball, I can't, you know, see where that comes into play. But if, you know, he wanted to be creative with it, so be it. But uh, I mean, and not like Baltimore has been known for having a top, you know, two or three or top five, you know, receiving core in the NFL ever, I don't think. Um, and so I think uh, unnecessary, I think we got good, good, good enough receivers and, you know, catching the ball is sufficient. <laughs> yeah. And it was really that one game. They haven't really had drop issues in any other, other contests this year outside yeah. of that. So I think that mentality you said, where it's just a virus, it kind of travels through and then hopefully you just That's- drop it and you're done. Cause the Ravens did not have any drops against Tennessee after exactly. having seven against Pittsburgh, which was yeah. key, but yeah. coming up in the final part of the show here, we'll talk with Mark about where Baltimore stands right now and get into his career with the Ravens a little bit as well. So be sure to stay tuned, plan to talk about on the show, but first this show is sponsored by better help. And there have been plenty of times in my life where I knew that something was good for me, but my brain kept getting in the way. For example, sometimes it's really hard for me to fall asleep at night because sometimes your your thoughts race, right? It keeps you awake. And if you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way, if maybe you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it, therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And there are so many benefits to therapy. There are plenty of broader benefits of therapy as well, such as it's helping for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, it can empower to become the best version of yourself too. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma, it's for everyone. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief question to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. We return rounding out LockedOn Ravens with Mark Clayton. I'm Kevin Ostraker. And Mark, I think with this Ravens team, they're 4-2. and two. Now we could argue they should be 5-1 and one or they should be 6-0, and yeah. but... Unfortunately, they they let these teams hang around. They suffered a couple of tough losses here. They've dealt with injuries early. Yeah. Where do you think this team stands right now? And what do you think their potential is this season if they can get it fully clicking? Oh man, we're in a great position. Um, you know, to to have had the injuries that we've had, to have kind of the, the turnover bug, the drop bug uh, that we've we've had, and be sitting at four and two in the head in the division, because that's the goal, number one, win the division. Um Let's get in there. And so uh, I think we're in a great position. I think, we, you know, we have guys that, that will be coming back and, and fitting in. And, you know, we'll see what we do at the trade deadline. But at the end of the day, you just want to be going into the the, the last quarter of the season uh, and and be clicking. So like you, you want to be rolling and you want to go into the playoffs hot. And so if you are spending, you know, the first half or, you know, middle part of the season where we're still ironing out kinks and, hoping to get players back, you know, and, and just figuring that out. That's, that's okay. And doing it while you're winning is even better. Right. And I think that 
at least my expectation was not that this offense was going to be clicking and putting up 40 points a game week one through week 18, especially with a new offensive system, new playmakers in there. It's okay if this team was to struggle out of the gate a little bit. I think where the frustration comes for a lot of people is that it's just been a little sloppier than people might have expected with some of those things. But it wasn't like everything was going to be perfect off the bat. So I'm willing to say, you know what, if they can peak in in November, start that peak up, and then obviously you want to peak when you're playing January and February football, that to me is definitely an okay path for them. But yeah. Mark, I want to get into your career a little bit too, because you get drafted by the Ravens first round receiver. Can you kind of go through the draft process for you and how you ended up in Baltimore? Yeah, man, it was, um, it was interesting. I, I wasn't got to college and uh, wasn't even thinking that I was going to go to the NFL was just glad to be in college. And as you know, my college years went on, had a really big junior year and um, that, kind of put me on the map in terms of, man, you could definitely go to the NFL and senior year was, was did fine and uh, finally came out and my agent told me that I had a chance to go in the first round, which was, you know, exciting. And so put the work in in the off season and did well at the combine and got to the draft. And, you know, for me, I didn't do much, you know, for I had a get together at the house and I just remember, um, you know, the draft started and, you know, down the line, my agent was like, man, you, you might have a chance to go in here. And it's right around the twenties. And so true uh, after 21 Jacksonville, I think was 21. I think anyway, I got a call from Ozzy and um, I just remember saying, Hey Mark. And I was like, Hey, he was like, you ready to be a Raven? I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> Let's go. He's like, all right, we're about to put it in. Look forward to seeing you. And that was it, man. And hung up the phone and I got all steamy eyed and everything. And, you know, look at the TV and my family saw everything and we all celebrated and, and had a good time. Like it was a, it was a blessing. It was a huge blessing. And it was fortunate that we all got to celebrate it and enjoy that moment. Uh, and, and that was it. Man, that, that, that's incredible. That, that's an incredible story. And over the first couple of years of your career, Mark, was there ever a welcome to the NFL moment for you? Was there like a moment in time, something a vet said to you? Do you have a moment that sticks out to you? Um, man, really? I mean, that first game, my first game was a Monday night game, which was neat. Uh, we played the Colts. And so as a receiver and a fan of the passing game, to see Peyton Manning and those guys, you know, over there warming up was was awesome. And then, you know, Ray did his dance. You know, it was the Ray intro day, and it was, I mean, it, it was just, the atmosphere was crazy. It was electric. I'll never forget that, um, you know, being my first game. It was, had a good game, too. And so it was, it was, uh, that first game was was really memorable for me, and I'll never forget it. Now, there was one moment, 2008 opening game. There was a lot of quarterback stuff that went on before that game because mm. Joe Flacco gets the start, but yeah. it wasn't really meant to be that way because right. Kyle Bowler has the injury yeah. and Troy Smith gets sick yep. and the Ravens are like, okay, well, here you go. And obviously we, we know history. Joe never gave that job back. Right. What was that kind of like? And what was it like playing with Joe in general? Uh, Joe was great. It was weird that that whole situation. It was like, you know, Troy it, it was like, all right, Cabo, okay. Dang, he's down. And Troy it was like, okay, Troy, he'll be okay. And then it was like, wait, he's sick. What kind of sick? It was like, well, well, he'll be back. And then he wasn't back. And then it was like, okay, now we're going with Flacco. But, you know, to go in there and have Flacco, you know, it was was really cool. His, you know, his, his personality was was awesome. He was a great fit um, in that room of personalities. He was, you know, real kind of, uh, his demeanor was real low-key and subdued and, you know, just a, 
matter of fact dude and nothing really got to him so it was good to have a quarterback and, and somebody who was just secure in 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 what he could do and uh not get rattled and so it, it was not and obviously went on to have a, a good first season right and i know that for you playing in baltimore for five years and then going to st louis for the last two how, how do you look back on, mm -hmm. on your career in baltimore you're obviously still involved with the team now in terms of yeah. keeping up with them you have the ravens hat on right there yeah, i see yeah. it how, how do you look back on your time with the ravens in your time in the city man it was the best time i've had in the nfl period like i i grew up you know baltimore i get there 22 um and just the city the people the relationships that i still have to this day um we'll still get back there uh that organization hands down uh the best organization from top down getting to see uh the exchange from art you know model rest in peace to steve was really cool um steve and everybody just me and my family was always welcome with open arms uh and so so is there anybody that was on the team and so that that made a huge impact on me and not only just as a player but just off, off the field too and how i've you know moved and went into business uh, just taking a lot of the, the things that was learned and experienced there in Baltimore has been monumental in uh, my life, even to this day. And I'm really curious to hear just to wrap up quickly. I mentioned Joe, him starting his rookie season off the way he did, but that wasn't the only rookie you had there. John Harbaugh was a rookie head coach. It was his first <laughs> yeah. game. You were under Brian Billick for a couple of years and then John Harbaugh. There's been a lot of conversation about how John Harbaugh has changed as a coach over the years. He's been there, obviously, for well, many, many years. What was it like playing under John Harbaugh? And what do you see from him now that's either similar or different from when you were with him? Uh, young John Harbaugh was uh, he won, he was he was about making a point and letting y'all know that he was the coach. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, like we the. We got into it, I think, a couple of times, him and the team and just kind of some of the ways he wanted to do things and some of the ways that we had been used to doing things, um, you know, and, and him and leadership, just we would, I mean, we butted heads, you know, early. But um, it was for the best. Um, and the, the beautiful thing about Coach Harbaugh was that at the end of the day, he was going to listen. You know, it, it, you know he, he was going to, we were going to figure it out and we weren't going to get everything we wanted but he was willing to give in a certain way to, to accommodate, you know, the guys and what we wanted as well. And so that was huge. And, you know, now, gosh, he's so, so uh, continuing to be loving. He's always, you know, considerate and thoughtful and he's, he, he cares and he wants to know what's going on with, with you. Like, how are you? <laughs> like, what can I do? Are you all right? Like, you know, how can I help you be the best today? And that is crazy, you know, to have as a head coach, you know, to go around and actually really, you know, genuinely want to know that that you're OK uh, as a player, not only on the field, but off the field. And that, again, um, is essentially what the organization is like, man. And so that I know is one of the reasons why a lot of guys who have even went and just had a cup of tea there would consider Baltimore one of one of their homes for sure. Um, if they've ever stepped foot in, in the facility, they they felt like it was home. Yeah, and I think the one clip that I think the new John Harbaugh is, is J.K. Dobbins in 2021. I think he fumbled the ball. And John Harbaugh just runs over and gives him a hug and says, you know, you got a big heart in there. And I don't know if that if old John Harbaugh would have would have done something like well, that. I know yeah. there's the John Harbaugh doghouse that I know is a little famous. So I, yeah. I don't know if that would have been it. <laughs> But, yeah, I think for the Ravens, they've been known as this, you know, great organization. Most veterans who 
go through there. Most people who have been with part of the organization obviously have very good things to say about it. So I, yeah. I think for them, they have a high standard and it's both on and off the field. They, they put yeah. high quality football teams on the field and then off the field, yeah. they take care of their own. And that's really great about them. But Mark, yeah. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for hopping on here. Hopefully this team can make it to the promised land, get to the hey, Super Bowl. Man. As we talked about, we'll see what they do at the trade we'll deadline. See. We'll see what they're cooking up. Big game this week. So looking forward to it. Us awesome. in Detroit. Yeah, we'll see. The Lions are a good football team. Top of the NFC North. So two division leaders facing off at M&T Bank Stadium. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, more Ravens content here. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.